Welcome back to the Liberty Block. We have another episode of the AluCast on the Liberty Block podcast, finally. It's been a long time. I am joined today by my son, Abel, the insurrectionist, Axelman, who was born on January 6th. And I can't put him anywhere without him crying, so holding him is the best bet. So bear with me. I was inspired to do a podcast today for the first time in a while by Dan Bongino because he I like him a lot. He has phenomenal analysis on a lot of issues, um, and he's generally very pro-freedom. But over his overall, I think he has the wrong solution, which I'll get to later. But um, before we get into that, this episode is sponsored by the local Silverman at localsilverman.com and throughliberty.com, which is Through Liberty Wellness, which is a great pro-liberty therapist for all your mental health and counseling needs. So what Dan Bongino was talking about, I guess, two or three, four days ago, because I'm behind on his podcast, is the chokehold of um, this guy, Penny, I believe, and he choked out uh, Jordan Neely on a New York City subway. This is already a few weeks ago, I believe. Uh, pretty much, for those who don't know, you can find videos talking about it or maybe some video of the incident. A guy started filming once he was being choked. Pretty much, the long story short, there was a guy who seemingly had a history of um, a lot of arrests, I believe some crime convictions, possibly, forgive me if I'm misspeaking, but either convictions and or discharges of crimes, um, like 42 arrests or something, and he had some mental health issues, I think, documented. Anyway, he was on a subway car, and yes, he was black, and he was apparently um, acting erratic and or threatening people. They're, they're still trying to get to the bottom of that, of whether he was threatening people violently. But anyway, some people were felt intimidated or threatened by him. This person, uh, ex-Marine, uh, has some training, tried to subdue him in a, a chokehold, essentially a rear naked choke, which is where you go like this from behind and choke someone out um, in grappling. And he didn't apply it very tight. It was very loose, but he was there for like 15 minutes trying to hold him down, holding him and choking him, and the guy passed away. So right away, every side aligns in their camp. It's all partisan. It's binary. And the right is saying, good job. It's, you know, he finally killed this person because police don't do their jobs because they've been um, demasculated by the, the left and the police are afraid to do their jobs. And the bail issue of letting people out after they commit crimes, um, letting them out on, on totally um, personal recognizance without holding them on bail. Um, and so there's more crime and the criminals aren't being locked up in jail or sentenced to prison or convicted. So both sides are saying, you know, right, this is really good and he's a hero. He's raised $2 million for his fundraiser because he's, he was arrested and he's being charged, I assume, with, with um, some kind of homicide. And the left is saying, oh my God, another white person killed a black person. It's not a cop who killed him, but it's a white person killing a black person. Biden said again the other day at some black college he was speaking at, he said, um, the biggest threat we have in the United States is uh, white supremacy. Um, so, you know, just one more thing for, for the agenda. Of course, I saw more videos of black people targeting specifically white people, killing them or um, targeting them with other violence or theft. And um, that was on Twitter, but who cares about that? Because that was black on white. So we only care about, about white on black crime. Um, doesn't matter what percentage of actual crime that actually is, right? So... Anyway, um, this happened. He was arrested, and he's he's being charged, I believe. Now, Dan Bongino, on episode, uh, I think, 2012, like four days ago, said a few things. He was pretty much 100% in the guy's corner, um, the guy, uh, Daniel Penny, or whatever his name was, um, the Marine who choked him out. And he was saying, he listened, he was holding him not in a rear naked choke. He was holding him in what's called a carotid restraint, but some people mistakenly call it a rear naked choke. Right there, again, it's um, semantics, not that big a deal, but I've never heard the term. I did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in an MMA program at TSMMA for like seven years. I never heard the term. I've interacted with people and grappled and, and rolled and stuff with like 
I don't know, a few dozen or a few hundred other people from other systems from, like, all over the world. I was tapped out by a guy who, like, trained BJJ in Brazil for a while the other day. That's why he tapped me out um, with a joke, actually. And um, I've never heard the term in my life, carotid restraint. Um, and we'll get to what carotid artery means. I'm going to talk all about the anatomy. Yes, we'll get to the anatomy, baby. Um, so he was, that right away, Bungino, I think, was mistaken by putting a lot of emphasis on saying, you know, us in the business, I did jujitsu, I did super service, I was in uh, NYPD and all that. And it's called the carotid restraint. That's not... So I never heard the term in my life. It's not even like it's something... Some people call it jiu-jitsu. Some use the Japanese terms of kimura for a chikumink. Some call it a chikumink. There are different terms for certain things. There are certainly two or more terms There's for things. But I've never heard the term carotid restraint. And he, he harped on it, so I'll harp on it right back. Um, Dan, get at me. Tweet at me. At Aluaxlam. And tell me, where have you heard the term? I'd love to know. He trained in jiu-jitsu, I think, longer than me. I think he trained for like years and years and years or a few decades um and he he did i'm sure some martial arts and secret service i've never heard the term i just called up another person who i know who has experience in mma he's getting his blue belt in jujitsu he's winning a lot of competitions in jujitsu um and he has uh, some, a bunch of time in mipd and in the u.s army and i think he does training of force in the army and mipd i believe i asked him if he heard the term he said he never heard the term in his life of carotid restraint and this is someone who would know from NYPD, you know, uh, subduing chokeholds, where they talk a lot about chokeholds and stuff, what not to do. He said they currently are not supposed to do any chokeholds according to policy. Um, and he's literally winning, every time I talk to him, he's winning another competition for Brazilian jiu-jitsu grappling. Um, so, so, again, he's never heard the term. So, I don't know where the term came from. But anyway, the other big thing that Bongino, the, the actually important thing he said that I think was very mistaken was he kept repeating throughout his show that the chokehold, this carotid restraint, but I'm going to call over your naked choke because that's what it's called throughout at least this universe to my knowledge. Um, he said it's not deadly. So this person wasn't doing a deadly thing and he incidentally died. Um, and because it was somewhat self-defense or defense of others, it's not even manslaughter. It should be no charges at all and he shouldn't be convicted at all. Um, he, I think, compared it at a point to using non-deadly force and mistakenly killing someone, which, to be honest, is manslaughter, but whatever. But again, he's so partisan in the sense that I'm, I'm objective because I see all the sides. I've been on the subway. Yeah, it's scary as hell. Um, you can't call for help. You have no reception. You're underground. You're locked in a car. You can't call for help, even if police would come within a minute. They can't get there. Um, and you're locked in a car with this person. If you jump out, you're dead. So, and you can't open the door anyway. Um, and it's moving. And if you're locked in there with someone, like he can kill you. And you can't even call for someone. You have no reception. You're like, whatever, 100 feet underground. So it, it is scary. Um, I haven't been quite as scared as I'm sure some others. I'm sure, you know, uh, a, a lone teenage girl is probably scared, more scared than I am when I ride the car. But I don't ride them because they are dangerous. Once I got a car, I never again got on a subway in my life. Once I got a car in New York, I drove in Queens. Um, so it, it is scary. So maybe the person feared for his life or others or whatever. I don't know how threatening the person was. But him saying it's not deadly... It's not a deadly move, this um, chokehold. For me, it's just weird. I'm not going to say it's 100% deadly every time because it depends on a lot of factors, like how long you hold it for. And we'll get into the anatomy and physiology and what that means. Um, so he, he kept saying that. And, and what, he, what he compared it to was if you push someone, look at two hands shoved to the head, and you don't expect to kill them, you expect just to push them away, um, and they happen to trip and fall on the back of their head, and, and they hit their head and they get a bleed and they die. Um, he was saying that's that's not deadly force. 
Um, again, although in that case, you would, I believe, be charged and, and likely convicted of manslaughter, to my basic understanding. I'm not a lawyer. I only play one on Liberty Block podcast. But I, I believe, you know, that would be manslaughter. But he's saying, I guess, it's not a manslaughter for this one, um, like, which is involuntary homicide, not meaning to do it, not intentional, because I think he was saying it's a good self-defense kind of um, affirmative defense if it were, you know, to go to trial for this. So I totally disagree on that. I... I think he was overzealous. Again, I think the guy, Jordan Neely, probably had a very long rap sheet. Big issues. He might have been actually threatening people. Um, and, and if you threaten someone, you, you do give up your right to um, not be hurt or maybe killed even, if that's the force that it requires. But I do think that it seems like um, Penny was over overzealous and kind of uh, pulled... Uh, pull the trigger a little too quickly maybe but but again i'll let the trial play out and stuff i don't want to totally pass judgment but i see both sides i know neely was probably threatening and dangerous and um so that's bad but i also know that he probably didn't serve to die and and the killing probably was not necessary so um i, I really don't understand bunch you know so again i'm actually neutral on this point um i like the former marine standing up protecting those around him i like that he trained in jiu-jitsu and tried to step up and choke him um i like um i also kind of su support or at least would empathize with the other guy um, who got killed because he didn't actually hurt anyone and he got killed, so that's not right either. So I, I totally see both sides. Um, but of course, I'm going to piss off everyone because I'm not going to give anyone 100% win today. I think both sides are wacko. If they say Neely's 100% innocent and shouldn't have been touched, probably not. He should have been probably subdued if he was threatening people. Um, or it should have been some kind of mental institution if he was really mentally ill, like it seems like he probably was. Um, I'm not going to say people agree with the conservatives on the right saying that um, this guy was a hero and he was perfect. So I'm not going to agree with anyone. Um, so I'm piss I'll piss everyone off, which is usual for me. All right, now let's get into the anatomy. He kept saying it's a carotid restraint, it's not a chokehold, and he said, and he's, it's really sad because Bongino talks about the uh, stupid smart people who are smart enough to know something but not smart enough to know what they don't know, know their limitations, essentially. Um, obviously, everyone thinks they're a smart, smart person. He says very often he's a smart, smart person. He knows some stuff, but he knows his limitations. He knows what he doesn't know. So he's aware of that, of that blind spot. Um, I try to be like that. I've made a few mistakes. In fact, with the last Kilkin video, I made a little mistake, and I, I think I corrected it in the video article later about the Derek Chauvin case. Um, but uh, just for the full disclosure, I've trained in jiu-jitsu for like seven years. I'm on and off, and now I'm teaching again grappling, so I'm back to grappling a little bit. Um, so I have a total seven, 10, 15 years of, of in and out of the grappling space and i've been in emergency medicine for 12 years since since 2011 so right around 12 years now so the basic anatomy i know what a neck is so um in emt and paramedic school and other critical care stuff we go into very 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 deep biology and cellular level um of anatomy biology chemistry and all that stuff but on a very simple level i'm very very familiar with the vasculature of the neck as far as um the simple high level so there are three things essentially that we're talking about with chokes that could be occluded. The choke in common parlance is is uh, grabbing the neck, occluding the neck. There are three things. There's the trachea, which is right here if you're on video, it's the windpipe. That is what brings air back uh, from the mouth when you inhale into the chest and lungs for diffusion. And it brings air back out, which is, has some CO2 in it, which is carbon dioxide, what you exhale, the byproduct of cellular respiration. So you do have to do both, both those things. You have to get in the 21% oxygen and you have to exhale the 6% uh, CO2. So so you have to do both those things. The, and that could be occluded in the choke theoretically. We'll get to that. The other thing is veins. What veins do is they bring blood back to the heart. Deoxygenated blood. After blood does its thing, which is delivering nutrients, oxygen, and all that good stuff, once it brings it to a tissue, in this case, the brain, the brain needs a lot of blood flow, 
because um, it uses a lot of energy and stuff. Once blood goes there, it comes back via the veins. In this case, it's the jugular veins. On both sides, you have external and internal jugular veins, and they're pretty much, by my understanding, on the side, like totally the side, like 3 o'clock and 9 o'clock. So they're right here. Right here, I'm putting pressure on my jugular vein. It's just that fact. Put your hand on the side of your neck, press it with 5 pounds of force, and you're putting pressure on the jugular vein. Keep that in mind. Vein brings blood back to the heart. It is blue blood in all of the graphics. It's deoxygenated. Now, that's the second thing that can be included, the trachea and the jugular vein. The third thing is the carotid artery. You have a few arteries that go up from your heart, right off your aorta, to your brain, which supplies your brain with the nutrient-rich blood. It has a high level of oxygen, it has glucose, it has all the nutrients and doesn't have the CO2. So the carotid arteries go to the brain, there's the fusion at the cells of the brain, and the veins, the jugular veins, bring them back to the heart. So, pop quiz, if you occlude the artery, what happens? Good. If you occlude an artery, blood does not get to the tissue, meaning it will not receive nutrients, and eventually um, I would think you could pass out. You could get dizzy and pass out. Um, veins bring blood back, so if you occlude a vein, blood won't come back. And you can see this very easily, and you can test this on yourself. In fact, I think I think it was one of my students the other day, not even an adult I was grappling with. I believe one of my students was like was like eight, had me in a choke. Um, I believe it was a triangle choke. We were going over triangles. And um, one of the other students, and I felt my face blowing up, one of the other students who was watching said, your face is turning purple, and, and I felt it. And what that means, the face turning purple, but you could see if, if able were to occlude my jugular veins, was the veins being blocked, meaning blood is backing up, meaning not draining back from an area, in this case, the whole skull. So the brain, blood wasn't coming back, and it was staying in my face. In this case, maybe external jugular veins, which, which um, feed all the face and skull and all that. And uh, maybe internal jugular veins also, which are a bit more internal. Um, but the closest to the skin is the external jugular veins. They're the, the quickest, the easiest to choke. So the triangle choke, where I was kind of here, there was a bit of pressure on my trachea, which we'll get to. But the leg right here is cutting off this jugular. The other leg, really my arm, my biceps, was kind of here. So probably here was cutting off the jugular vein. So both jugulars were cut off. Blood flow was, I don't know, maybe 30%, maybe 50, 80, 90% restricted, or maybe 100% from returning. I don't know. All I know is that a lot of blood was being retained in my head. I was turning purple. And eventually what would happen, it could be a few things. It could be my, my brain would have too much pressure in it from the backup. And that's really bad because the pressure in the brain can squeeze the cells. And eventually, if there's too much pressure, it can squeeze what's called the... the brainstem through the foramen magnum, which is the top of the, the top hole in the bottom of the skull in the spinal canal where it comes through. And once you herniate your brainstem through that, like, um, then you stop your heart and breathing and you're dead. So if there's enough swelling and pressure in the brain, that can happen, but just the pressure in the brain is not good. And the pressure in the skull is not good. And, and um, I suppose a vein uh, could pop at a point if there's too much backup and too much pressure. Um, think of it as you occlude a hose, there's too much pressure backing up or something like that. So so that is the most common. Now, again, um, to my knowledge, because I'm not, I, I know I don't know everything in the world, I'm not the best BJJ champion in the world, and I'm not the, the number one um, anatomy and physiology doctor in the universe, I would venture to say that the, the big majority of chokes primarily occlude the veins. The reason I say this is because the trachea 
I don't think has ever really included that much in chokes, and I'll explain why in a minute. Um, but the artery also, I don't think, because the carotid arteries are here. We all know this because you take a pulse. Yeah, right there, I feel my pulse. And to take a pulse, they tell you to go to the trachea, which is the windpipe, and you feel this. On anyone who's not obese, you can feel this pretty easily, especially men. Yes, I can feel the trachea. And then you slip it right into the groove, just to either side of it, here or here. And there's a groove that you feel right here. Then you gotta press in, and you can press, and you can feel the carotid artery. So, not very easy to get to, is it? You need fingers. When we're talking about chokes, we're talking about biceps, forearms, legs, pretty big things. My two fingers could get into my groove. Do you think my arm could get into that groove? Probably not that easily. You'd have to push really hard. And again, I know that tissue can be pushed in and muscle pushed against things, and that's how tourniquets work. But in this case, there's a trachea, which is a solid thing. Now, the trachea is made of cartilage, so it's rigid. Um, so you can't occlude it much. Um, the back of it is, is the esophagus, the back of the trachea, by my understanding. So that could be occluded a little bit in. Um, but you could push the, the whole thing in against the esophagus, and that's a soft tissue of the esophagus. It's a, it's a soft um, canal, but because a soft tube for the food to go down. But for the most part, you can't occlude the trachea. The trachea is like, like this wide, like roughly an inch in diameter, I think, and um, it's rigid. So you, can, you can't compress it incrementally is what I'm getting at. So if you put enough force on it, probably, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 50 pounds, by 100 pounds of force, which a human could probably do, you would just crack it. It's cartilage. So I believe you would just uh, crush the trachea and then they're in tremendous trouble. The person, they could have all sorts of issues, um, even just like um, air being leaking around the skin is bad. But if if their trachea is uh, crushed, I think it, it's a, a big issue. Um, it would be like a nightmare for a surgeon. So you could do that, but before that happens, here you people tap out um, or they struggle so much they're able to get out of it um, or their trachea is crushed. So when you, the reason people tap and they think they have an air choke, they say blood choke or air choke. So obviously we went over most chokes, I believe, almost all of them, I believe, occlude one or both jugular veins and people feel it and they feel like blood's not coming back from their head and then they tap out. Um, or they could pass out eventually. When people think there's an air choke, here is my hypothesis and I want to hear what people think about this, other grapplers, um, I'm pretty sure I'm right. When they hear, when they feel like a guillotine choke, if you do a guillotine choke, it's where the person has their hand right here and it's right in the middle. So it's really on the trachea. You get this part on the trachea and you push up. The reason people tap out is they feel that maybe 5-10% of their airway has been restricted because they're pushing in and it's going to, pushing against the esophagus in the back, so it's occluding from the back. So here is that, and it's you know pushing in from the back, so it's making it a little smaller of a tube. So you get tremendous anxiety. And I'm not saying that like a bad thing, like they're, they're pussies. Like, it's natural, humans, if your airway is being pressured and starting to be occluded even 5-10%, so air is being restricted a bit, it is tremendously off-putting, and you will get anxious, and you and you will you know tap out. So people tap out not when they say they can't breathe, they can breathe. If you can talk, you can breathe. You're moving air, um, but but by you know probably five percent occlusion or even one percent, you feel so much anxiety like you're being choked because you are. So the air choke, it's if someone were to say his airway was totally cut off, I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong, but but you'd have to crush the trachea, which you could do, but people just don't do it. But it doesn't take I don't think a ton of force. Um, and I can look it up. My Wi-Fi is down. Otherwise, I'll Google it right now. Um, you can crush the trachea, but if you're not crushing it, like if the person's okay and they're talking, meaning they still have a larynx, which is in the trachea, um, it's not crushed. So that, that's why I think very few, if any, chokes affect the trachea significantly. That's why I think very few, if any, chokes affect the arteries significantly. That's why I think it's really the veins. 
But so one of the big issues, I guess, with Bungino is he said it's called a carotid restraint, a term that I and my friend who has a lot of experience has never heard in our lives. I've never heard the term. It's like saying the rear naked choke is called the banana peel. It's I've never heard the term in my life. I don't know what to say. Um, my other big issue with him is him saying that that this was uh, mostly carotid arteries and you got him to pass out. But the, the biggest issue is that he's saying it's not deadly. And that's what I want to get to to wrap it up because my baby is also running out of patience. So him saying it's not deadly is just weird because literally it is. But he, he's half right, half wrong. But that's that's still 50% wrong. That's still really bad. Like I don't want a pilot who crashes 50% of the time. Um, he said that it's not deadly. You're, you know, you apply it, you restrain the person, they pass out and they're fine. Yeah, that's, that is how the chokes work. You know, venous, arterial, probably, trachea, uh, uh, air chokes, probably, but that's kind of immaterial. Um, all the chokes are deadly because if you do it until they pass out and you hold it for, like, a few more seconds or another minute, like, I would think you can kill them. It's like saying shooting is not deadly because half the shootings don't kill. In fact, the majority of shootings that hit a person do not kill, I don't think. Probably a small percentage. I would guess, I don't know, 10, 20, 30% of people who are shot by a bullet that hits them actually die. You know, So for me to say, officer, I shot him, but it wasn't a deadly um, force. I didn't use deadly force. It just it doesn't sit right with me for some reason. Saying a choke is not deadly force. I'm just not totally cool with it. I understand what he's saying, but it's more about how you apply it and for how long. Now, this person applied it very badly because I saw it was loose. Like his arm, I saw space between his arm and the neck, which there shouldn't really be in a rear naked choke. Um, so it depends how well you apply it and how long you hold it for. Now, he said 15 minutes because he was holding him down. The guy was moving. But pretty much, yes, he should have. It would have been nice if as soon as the guy stopped moving, meaning he went limp and fainted, he should have let go. And then generally my understanding is that your body, you, you faint and then you wake up very quickly, you know, seconds later. Your body resets. And that's what happens when people faint. Generally, the blood pressure is too low. They faint and then the head is um, level because they're lying down and the blood flow can get to the head more easily. Um the same same with with uh, a blood choke so like they will wake up but if you keep it there and i guess occlude all of the blood even after they're passed out and you keep going holding that same choke for another minute yeah like that you could totally kill them i would think um so for him to say chokes aren't deadly like that restraint is not deadly i i'm super not cool with that i don't understand you know i don't think that really makes sense i would not say that um so that's that's my issue with him but the even bigger issue is this Bongino, the last few days, was talking about the corruption in the FBI. And again, he wrote books on it. He knows a lot more than me. He knows how disgustingly corrupt they are. He talks about it a lot, but there's a lot more, I'm sure, in his book, Follow the Money. It's a book he wrote years ago I haven't even read, but I know some of the material in it, obviously. He talks about corruption from Ukraine here, everywhere around the world. Um, and he explains that, you know, in the book Exonerated, I believe, about Trump with the FBI collusion hoax, total hoax. So he knows corruption. Peter Schweitzer knows corruption. A lot of these guys, they know corruption very, very well. But Bongino keeps saying every day for the last oh, 5, 10, 20 years since he got involved in politics, it's so bad, we need a total house cleaning. We have to elect Republicans and then they'll fix the government. What's wrong with that statement? Him saying every day for the last, I don't know, like 5, 10 congressional elections. All we need to do is elect Republicans and they'll clean the house. Right, Trump, you'll clean the FBI. Yeah, I promise. I didn't do it last time with four years, but this time if you elect me, I promise I'll really drain the swamp totally. No, you said that last time. No, no, whatever. But I'll, I'm, I'm serious this time. Now I'm super serious. So for him to say, like, you know, the saying, insanity is doing the same thing over and over a million times and expecting a different result, it's insanity. He keeps saying he has no other solution. I've mentioned on, I've commented on his videos and, and tweeted at him saying secession is the solution. If it doesn't, something doesn't work, try something else eventually if you keep banging your head against the wall. So, but he won't. He, he 
flirts with Sasha and gets very close and says, we need to separate from these psychos. They're dangerous. They're violent. They want to kill us. They want to destroy the world. But I'm long in the United States. So I'm not short. I'm long. I believe that America's going to have a resurgence and a comeback. We got through so much. We got through the Civil War and the Cold War and yada yada and all that stuff. And the Vietnam War. Um, again, I always liken it to a, an abusive couple. The man has beaten up the, the wife a million times. She tried running away and it failed and he caught her and beat her up extra bad. Um, put her in the hospital, you know, beat her up real bad. And that was the Civil War. We tried and it failed. Secession tried, not we. I'm not a slaveholder. But um, people tried to uh, separate from the Union and it failed. So so it tried once and it failed and people use that. But they also say we went through a lot. So if this husband says to his wife, oh, we've been through a lot, you know, um, I've beaten your head really bad. Um, you've hurt your head. I've hurt my knuckles. You know, we've both been through a lot, you know, similar situations. And it just we've gotten through it all. We always get through it. We'll be fine. We don't need to separate. Come on. We don't need a divorce, honey. You know, um, Let's just try again. I promise we'll go to counseling. It'll work this time. If he's done this to you a hundred times, how much longer would you counsel your friend, if she was this wife who's being abused in this scenario, to stay with the person, with the abuser? And she'll say to you, okay, I've heard this a million times in movies and books, and everyone knows people like this. Um, it's very sad. Oh, no, I promise I'll change this time. He promised. We're going to go to counseling this time. I promise he said he's never going to hit me again. He was arrested. He's scared. He's never going to do it again. We've all heard this a million times. Uh, again, the D.C., and the uh, leftist states, the authoritarians, the federal government, the elites are abusing us. We've tried every day for the last 250 years, since 1776, 1789, whatever. Since before 1800, we've been trying every day to fix it. Not only has the issue, and the issues of the FBI corruption and the other 100 plus issues that I wrote about in my article about leaving D.C. Ah! that I'll, I'll link in the show notes. We have all these reasons that we should leave D.C. abusive politicians. And not only has it not gotten better, we've been trying to fix it, right? But Gito keeps saying, we'll try to fix it. I have a solution. Just elect Republicans. Elect better Republicans. Vote the primary of better conservatives. I've heard it all a million times. Again, I don't need to wait. Most people wait about 100 years, and then they're too late. They're on the deathbed, but they realize, we, you know, it's a, it's a failed endeavor. We can't. It's futile. We can't ever fix the system. We have to start a new system. We have to separate. We need something more radical, you know, um, like a burn it all to the ground, metaphorically. But I, I don't... i got to be smarter than that. I have to use my forefathers after these my father and grandfather who are also a little bit involved in this stuff my dad's involved but i'm not going to wait 100 years i'm going to say they've been doing it we've been doing it me my father father's father we've all been trying to fix the united states for 240 years so i can say i've been trying for 240 years i'm going to give up you know what i mean like i've been trying personally for like five six seven years but it's time to give up and try something else we're not going to fix dc there's zero chance not even if i were elected could i fix dc one person might have tried to fix it he ended up um, getting shot while he was driving in a convertible and he's dead. So, you know, some people think he was trying to fix it and the CIA didn't want to be fixed. So, um, you can't get there if you get there to the Oval Office and you make it and you're alive and you want to fix the system and stop all the horrific corruption in D.C., they will end you. And I think this is more and more common knowledge. RFK just said it the other day that he's pretty sure the CIA killed his uncle, JFK. So, and I think most people actually believe that there's so much corruption that the CIA would do that because the CIA has done a lot of horrific tragedies. So a lot of the biggest tragedies throughout the world, um, including like coups of big governments, is the CIA. So it's not going to be fixed. And Don Gino keeps saying every day, yeah, I promise, I, I feel, uh, oh, in 2024, we're going to get the White House back and the House and Senate back and a bigger majority in the House and we're going to fix, start turning this place around. And 
there's no evidence of that. There's really not. I would love to debate him on whether we can fix the United States or should we, should we give up and focus on one or two states. Focus on New Hampshire doing its liberty thing, Florida doing its conservative libertarian conservatarian thing, Texas doing its conservative thing, and let California and New York be communist. So I would love to debate him on that. Um, since we're inviting everyone else to Parkfest, let's invite Dan Mangino to Parkfest too. So um, that's, that's where I'm at for today. I also wanted to discuss the most recent article. Ooh, my Wi-Fi's down. But... Um, before we get to the articles, um, I gotta remind everyone because Bongino begs everyone, and if he's not too proud to beg, I should be to subscribe to the stuff, our podcast. Please subscribe on Rumble, um, Odyssey, follow us on Facebook. We were kicked off YouTube, which is a badge of honor. But um, you can subscribe on SoundCloud and/or your podcast catcher, whatever you use for podcasting to subscribe. So um, I also want to remind you to listen to the regular podcast, the Wednesday podcast, which came out yesterday. The Conservatarian Exchange was episode 154. Sorry about the baby squeaking. And the final thing, um, I have a book signing in Manchester for those local in southern New Hampshire, most of my listeners. On June 3rd, Saturday from 4 to 6, I will be having a super special meet and greet with my fans, all dozen of them, um, signing Presumed Guilty. It'll be this book. All the criminal justice system guarantee the most comprehensive guide to due process violations, and I'll explain what that means. I'll talk about it. We'll hang out. Um, hopefully, we'll sell some books and sign, and most likely a sneak preview of my new book about gun control, which should be a banger, um, coming out in like a week or two. So we will have them or a sneak preview there, and some other cool stuff maybe. And I'll have all my other books for sale, and we'll figure out some good deals for people hopefully. And then after that, the bookery in Manchester, which is the place hosting it, will start carrying presumed guilty and possibly other books of mine on their shelves, which is going to be awesome. Super exciting. It's my first time doing anything like this, so please come out for that. Um, other than that, check out the podcast. Check out the most recent articles. I published an article a few days ago about the drag show, um, drag queen story hour stuff that, again, took a nuanced, honest approach of what I feel and what I have as principles, and it pissed off everyone, which is to be expected. So check that out, too. Um, thank you very much, and I believe that's all. So, yeah, look out for my new book. It'll be called The Pocket Guide to Killing Gun Control. Um, and I think I already posted a preview of what the book cover is probably going to look like. And it's going to affect a lot of people for a lot of reasons. So that's awesome, too. All right. Thank you very much. Check out libertyblock.com, nhindependence.org, americanzps.com, and aluaxelman.com, and aluaxelfit.com. Thank you very much, and have a great day.